Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter. We're looking at a really cool chapter of the Bible, one that is, I think, a lot, I mean, really familiar, I think, to, I mean, even the children, right? Um, I don't I don't know what Sunday school curriculum doesn't tell the story of David and Goliath. Um, and it's, I, I think, another one of those chapters where it kind of uh, shows this paradox of, the chapters that we think we kind of know the best are, in some ways, the chapters that we seem to actually understand the least. We all kind of have a, I don't know, this kind of like cartoon version of David and Goliath squaring off, but are, are we really getting what the, the Bible is trying to say about this story, uh, about this fight? Um, it's There's a lot of actually really technical questions that we probably won't have a lot of time to talk about, but we are going to want to try to get at what is going on here with the armies of Israel and the armies of the Philistines on opposite sides here of the battle line. Joining us today, we've got, uh, returning, we've got Pastor uh, and Dr. Martin Noland, pastor at Grace Lutheran Church in San Mateo, California. Good morning, brother. Good to have you back. And uh, yeah, what a treat to be looking at David and Goliath today. Yes, good morning, AJ. How are you? I'm doing I'm doing fine. Um, and uh, and I mean, this is actually uh, I, I caught, I'm just thinking about this. This is uh, one of the stories that uh, will, will be will be coming up to, I think, in my um, children's Bible that I've been reading to my, my daughter. And so uh, this is just kind of making me think about the fun I've been having reading these sorts of stories. But uh, but yeah, how, how have you been? Well, we're here in San Mateo County. Are, are you in California? I don't remember. Yeah, I'm in South Orange County. South Orange. So uh, we are now in the red zone. We just went there uh. yesterday, which is a California thing, um, but it has to do with COVID. So we're all happy to be moving out of the, the worst level. So Yeah, I, yeah. for everyone not, not familiar with these things, purple is the worst, and then you go down to red, and then if you're really well-behaved, you go down to orange. Uh, it's, it's like flashbacks from... Uh, from grade school all over again, but uh, but no, it's uh, <clears throat> it, it is perhaps less. Well, we won't get into. This. Yeah, we, we won't, won't get, get into, into all that. that. We won't. We won't get into that. We just just not gonna go there. We have enough things to talk you know, about today. But Westerners, we're in the twilight zone anyway. Yeah, I know that's right. Yeah, it's just like you know, we there's too many colors going on over there anyway on the West Coast. We don't know what they're doing. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, we are we are blessed. We are blessed. Um, and yeah, so that's I mean, it's, that's great because uh, you guys should be able to then uh, worship in um, indoors. So that's right. uh, that's that's a blessing, uh, especially with all the poor air quality that we've had of late. Yeah. So I'm glad to to hear of that. But yeah, I mean, how, how do you feel about the story of David and Goliath? Uh, special place in your heart? Uh, one that uh, I don't I don't know. Is it one that you've changed your mind about over the over the years i feel like that's been an experience for me just every time i read this i'm just like wow there's all these things i just i was just skipping over because like this the, the the cartoon was so strong in my head yeah i think there's um you know it, it helps when you come back to a bible story after you know more about the bible so um the the notion of the covenant people um, and is really clear here, David's, it's not just David with a sling, you know, kind of an underdog, yeah. but it's David, he, David sees something that nobody else can see. And, and it comes yeah. out in his, <clears throat> his argument or speech with Goliath. And, um, he, he's able to see, it's not a contest between David and Goliath, really. David is just there kind of as God's point man. And uh, so those type of things, maybe my um, Sunday school teachers told us, I'll, I'll, you know, I also went to parochial school, so we kind of got it there too. But I don't remember that coming through. It just, we kind of got the, the story of this big battle and, and little David was able to, to kill big Goliath. And that's pretty much the story as I remember it. But yeah, there's a lo lot of whole other stuff in here. And the other part of it is, is that this is when, David comes into the public eye. It's it's kind of a, a hinge in the book of Samuel because the first part of Samuel is about uh, King Saul. Well, Samuel, but but it's a lot about Saul. And then, you know, Saul just 
just messes it up bad. And then Samuel has to go out and find somebody else. And so the, the people of the story that are reading it um, or that are hearing it, they know it's going to eventually David's going to come into prominence, but they don't know how that's going to happen. And here is how it happens. So you yeah. also need to read it within the broader context of the of God's plan for the leadership of Israel in that generation. Uh, and this is a key story for that. Yeah, I, I think that just overall appreciating that, that it's it's not really this contest between David and Goliath. And we'll see, uh, there's a lot of things that point to that. Uh, one of the things being that he's not even referred to as Goliath, I think even half the time, um, just the Philistine, right? Yeah, um, the Philistine. Yeah, the, the Philistine, right? So, I mean, Goliath <laughs> is, I mean, like very secondary. Um, and, and like you were saying, yeah, it's, it, it, this story has more to do about Dave, I mean, sw switching over, right, from Saul to David, and, and you and you see this, I mean, in a very dramatic way in this story. We, I mean, we saw it in the previous chapter, which I think was pretty important, just the idea of, you know, the, the Spirit of the Lord, you know, leaving Saul and then it coming upon David. So we, we've already kind of seen that a little bit, but this is kind of another um, depiction of this of this transition or this hinge, like you put it. And, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not really on— uh, Goliath per se, but just the the different the different perspective and how how God looks at things is what we've been talking about for a couple chapters now, um, and then we're going to see that David kind of he 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 takes after God's heart because he kind of sees things in that same way that like he sees things differently than the way that man sees things. So yeah, I, I like the way you're putting that. That it's just you know what 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 does David see? So a uh, good question to. Uh, have before us as we read it. Um, before we get too much further, though, would you, brother, go ahead and uh, offer a prayer for us? Yes, certainly. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that you be with us today as we again turn our hearts and minds to your word, to the book of First Samuel and chapter 17 and the great story of David and Goliath. And we pray that you also be with us in our own struggles that we have in our lives, uh, many people struggling with economic deprivation or impacts, uh, some people dealing with the, the pandemic, uh, especially the people in the front lines like doctors and nurses and, and the teachers today that you know, are so worried about uh, the kids coming back to class and the virus and how that will affect things. So we pray that through all these things that we would learn to trust in you and that you would be with us in all of our struggles, just as we see the people of the Bible struggling with their issues and that they put their trust in you amidst all these things. So please lead us through your Holy Spirit in this discussion today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Yeah, that's, I, I like that. I appreciate the connection that uh, I mean, I mean, the, the, it is a similar sort of, of course, I guess the, the irony, right, is that our, our Goliath that we're dealing with is uh, invisible, I suppose you might say, uh, or at least the one that we're thinking about, um, <laughs> one of the many, I suppose, that we're thinking about. Uh, but yeah, that, that idea of just uh, seeing things differently and trusting when the temptation is to be shaken in our boots. Uh, yeah, so that, that is the situation. Maybe we can try to set the, set the situation up a little bit. Um, we saw how in the previous chapter, chapter 16, uh, th this is a, it was, it was an interesting chapter, um, because it was kind of divided in two with the, the anointing of, of David and then, uh, which, which happens away from Saul. And then the second half of the chapter where, where Saul finds out about David and he says, oh, like, Hey, well, yeah, I, I sure could use someone who, who's, who can, you know, play this tune and just kind of just, you know, help me uh you know uh get my brain in the right place and he'd be really helpful to me and so we 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 begin right this the the, the relationship with david and saul so uh, yeah that's uh, that's kind of how how things start off but uh yeah anything else you might add to kind of help us kind of uh get the context of the situation right right one other thing um that you, which you just brought up it goes back to let's see it's verse 13 of chapter 16. So um, yeah. I'm, I studied uh, for this the uh, very good commentary by Andrew Steinman. He's a professor at Concordia oh, yeah. University, River Forest, 
uh, book of 1 Samuel. And uh, in that section on that verse, he gives his own translation. It's very good. And verse 13 of 16, he says, Then the Spirit of Yahweh rushed upon David from that day forward. And then in the commentary uh, section of that, uh, of that chapter, he says, he, he contrasts this with Saul, so that the giving of the Spirit through anointing to Saul happens once in a while. I mean, it happens at his anointing, and then the, uh, the writer of the book of Samuel notes that the Spirit, you know, for example, Saul is with the prophets, and then he speaks uh, or, or does strange things like the prophets. But it's an occasional thing. Whereas mm-hmm. here in verse 13, the, uh, the the notion of rushed, of course, implies the air, the Holy Spirit. Right. But it's from that day forward. It's an ongoing thing. So we get the impression, at least I did, reading what yeah. Steinman is saying, that David becomes one of the prophets, he isn't just there occasionally. He is given the Spirit in the way that all the prophets of God have been given. So he is he's first becomes a prophet of God, which, of course, then makes him the author of the Psalms, because we believe the Psalms were under the Spirit of God, those written by David, certainly. And then also he becomes a king. Um, so he's got two of the the three things that Jesus has prophet priest and king but i think this this fact that the spirit of god is always with david from the time of his anointing allows him to see the things that nobody else can see and that that has mm. a lot to do with his victory here yeah you know that i, I appreciate you uh you know m- mentioning that well i mean we've talked about we mentioned simon's commentary a couple times here and there now uh, but the, that verse, because that was one that also caught my eye, and uh, I'm not I'm not sure I've kind of totally made my mind up on it. But I, I think that the, the the kind of the big point that you just made, which, which is that um, it's it's because of the Spirit, it's because of God working um, and and favoring David now, um, in contrast to Saul, that David's able to have this perspective that that it's not so much that. Um, I don't know, David, David's just a really smart guy or uh, he, he's just so wise. And so like, you know, he, right. I don't know, or he's some kind of a genius or something. And so, right. you know, kind of like modern depictions of Sherlock Holmes, it's like, you know, he can like take him out with just a stone because he's just brilliant. Like, no, but it, it's rather that the spirit's upon him. And so when, when David's saying all this stuff, I mean, it, it's really, you know, God speaking through him. So, um, yeah. So, I, I mean, I think there's a couple of ways you can take that in terms of, you know, does it, does it rush upon him like several times, but the point is categorically it's doing that with him and not Saul, or if it's just kind of with him all the time. I mean, that's a, that's a question on a couple of levels, but I think the the big point that we're making here, um, that it's really because God's opening his eyes and God's speaking right. through him here in this chapter. I think that that is really, really big. Um, yeah, exactly. Good. So, uh, it's a long chapter. And what we'll talk actually about uh, a little bit later why it's so long, <laughs> or or is it really that long? Uh, so we'll have to, we'll come to that in a second. But we'll go ahead and read the text that we had before us here. So this is the English Standard Version of First Samuel chapter seventeen. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Soko and Azekah and Apesh Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up a line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. He had bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron and his shield bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. 
But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now, David was the son of an Ephrathite of Bethlehem in Judah named Jesse, who had eight sons. In the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. The three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul into battle, and the names of his three sons who went into the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and next to him Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For forty days the Philistine came forward and took his stand morning and evening. And Jesse said to David his son, Take for your brothers an ephah of this parched grain and these ten loaves, and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers. Also take these ten cheeses to the commander of the thousand. See if your brothers are well, and bring some token from them. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way. So shall it be done to the man who kills him? Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know the, your evil presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him toward another, and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail, and David strapped his sword over his armor. And he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine, and the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield-bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a 
dog that you come at to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone, the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and, the struck, and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron, so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from Sharim as far as Gath and Ekron. And the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their camp. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, and he put his armor in his tent. As soon as Saul saw... As soon as Saul saw David go out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, As your soul lives, O king, I do not know. And the king said, Inquire whose son the boy is. And as soon as David returned from, striking, from the striking down of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant, Jesse the Bethlehemite. Uh, never realized uh, what a tongue twister that is. Um, <laughs> as soon as Saul saw, as soon as Saul saw, my goodness. I, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, overall, uh, just... It's a, a very. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just a great story. It, it's it's told well. Like there's just there's good pacing. Um, there, there's 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 drama. There's suspense. There's irony. Um, I think that one of the things that jumps out at me, kind of comparing the cartoon version, is, uh, you know, David. David's not like a little shepherd boy. I think that's actually pretty clear from this. David's like, you know, yeah, I'm gonna feed your body to the birds and the wild animals. I'm gonna cut your head off. And here he's walking around with his head. I, I mean, like it's that's I, I think one of the things that that's that's big to me. Like this is not like you know like the story of how the little boy like was brave and confronted his bully. This is this is a this is a man of God here. Um, Thirty seconds left before our break, but any, any kind of just initial thoughts, reactions. Yeah, I think you got it right there. Yeah, the cartoon character of David as a little boy, you know, maybe fourth grade against this. That's not it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, David yeah. is a is a grown up. Uh, you know, he's not pumped iron like Goliath or anything like that. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, I mean, so we have to get packs past some of that. And there's a lot enough detail that we can do that to get past the cartoon yeah. character. Yeah, and, and there are a lot of details um, that, that kind of help flesh this out. But there's also a lot of details that kind of raise a lot of questions and, and kind of you think to yourself, now, hang on a second. Why are, why are they telling us that? Uh, we'll have to take a look at some of those things when we get back. But everybody, hold on. We're looking at First Samuel chapter 17 on Thy Strong Word. Be right back.
the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, on behalf of Concordia Plan Services, Lutheran Housing Support Corporation, Concordia University System, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, the LCMS Foundation, and Corporate Synod, daily reaches out to our members and partners, working together to support our local, global, and international ministries, church workers, and LCMS initiatives at large to carry the mission forward and to serve each other in love. Opportunities to serve, lcms.org careers. Hi, this is Todd Wilkin, inviting you to join us for Issues Etc. weekday afternoons from 3 to 5. Issues Etc. is a live call-in show with a two-fold purpose. We defend and teach the truths rediscovered during the Reformation, grace, faith, scripture, and Christ alone, and we challenge today's postmodern culture with its unbiblical ideology. Issues Etc. live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Human life can be complicated, sophisticated, and difficult. It can also be graciously simple. Music addresses all aspects of our lives. Some reflects our complexity, some our simplicity. On the next Sing for Joy, you will hear music that speaks to all of life. Sundays at noon on KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're taking a look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, David and the Philistine. And, and uh, I, I think that's that's one thing that really is um, striking here, that over and over and over again, the, the guy is referred to as the Philistine, the Philistine, the Philistine. That's, there's so many little details about this. This story is, is, a, is a crafted story. A well-crafted masterpiece here in, I mean, just looking in terms of literature here. Why does he keep being referred to that way, the, the Philistine? I think he's getting at something. Uh, joined today by our guest, we've got the Reverend Dr. Martin Noland, pastor at Grace Lutheran Church in San Mateo, California. We're there in the red zone, which is a good thing. <laughs> uh, California thing there. Uh, if you got a question or comment for us and you're listening live, give us a call, 1-800-730-2727. Or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. You can also send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. You can also hop on the live stream, facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa, where we got a couple questions there about the units of measure and, and his height and the discrepancies. Um, and then also the depiction of, of, uh, of David here with this, you know, uh, with this staff and this shepherd's uh, bag and things like this. So, uh, yeah, so this is, is some good questions kind of figuring out, okay, so was David a little shepherd boy? I mean, what, and who exactly, or what kind of, you know, animal was, uh, was Goliath, you might say, uh, I want to thank our underwriters of the Lutheran Heritage Foundation for their support. Thank you guys for underwriting thy strong word, their website, lhfmissions.org. Uh, also, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, this is uh, just, just saw a comment come in from a listener. Uh, the conversation between David and Goliath reminds me of how our politicians talk to each other these days. Uh, th thanks, Raj. <laughs> uh, Raj from Michigan there. Yeah, the, the trash talk. Um, we, should, we should think about, we should talk about the trash talk, right? Because, uh, yeah, you, you might, you might kind of almost be scandalized by the way that David talks because you're like, I mean, really, David? Is that appropriate? You're like sinking to the level of the Philistine, right? Um, so we should we should talk about that as well. Lots of lots of good things to talk about, but um, maybe we'll just take it from the top here, brother. Um, yeah, uh, this this big this big chapter here, starting up in in verse seven, uh, verse one of chapter seventeen here. I'll maybe just ask one of the kind of uh, most basic questions at the beginning. The ESV has now the Philistines gather their armies for battle. And that now kind of says, well, now we're starting a new story. Something else is going on. When is this taking place? Um, is there like a gap of time between chapter 16 and chapter 17? Um, for that matter, maybe our listeners, you know, who were listening yesterday picked up on this. It seems like Saul at the end of the chapter doesn't know who David is, but in chapter 16, um, they're described as being really close. 
says that Saul loved him greatly in chapter 16, verse 21. Um, says that he even became Saul's armor bearer. I don't think he wouldn't know the name of his uh, father's armor bearer. So yeah, so what, what, do you, what do you make of the relationship between chapter 17 and some of the chapters that we've been uh, reading so far? Well, there, there's a couple things there. Uh, one possibility is, is that chapter 16, after it introduces the relationship of David to Saul with the music, it then kind of, because it's dealing with a theme, you know, David's role as the musician in the court. Uh, that yeah. Really, that's really, it, it's not just that David's playing the music, but David is introduced into the court of the Israelite king. And so he, he, uh, the narrator um, yeah. then is is dealing with that. And it could be that he is simply looking at, well, how did this develop? You know, here, here's where it starts. And then it goes, because it says, whenever a spirit from God came from God to Saul, David would take his lyre. So this yeah. is apparently an ongoing thing. And what happens right. is in the development of this relationship, then, oh, well, suddenly the Philistines are at war and introducing yeah. the, the pleasant court life. So, um, you know, it, it's a difficult thing uh, for historians. Anybody that's tried to write a family history or congregational history, you know that you introduce a topic, let's say, let's say your grandpa uh, yeah. went to war. He went to, let's say, World War One. Well, then there was an interruption, and he came back, and he started a new job, or he got married. Well, now, where do you go with that? You know, do you, do yeah, you, right. once he gets married, do you talk about the first couple of years of the marriage, or do you go right back to the, to the war? So that's part of the problem yeah. of just simply historical narration. Um, and, and then the other business of, well, why doesn't he recognize him? And it's probably because he hasn't had a lot of interaction with David yet, um, or know much about him. I mean, if you're, if you're, I've had this happen to me before. You know, well, you know. So, you know, I, I was a young pastor, and I met uh, the president of the synod, and oh, the buddy. next day I ran into, ran into him. Now, this is 30 or 40 years ago, and he said, well, who are you? I said, well, I just met you. <laughs> I said, well, uh, you're just the president, you know. So, it, you know, yeah. when you're at the bottom of things, you know, people might recommend, they might remember your name, but it's, right. it's the problem that a pastor has when he first comes yeah. into a congregation, the first year, it, he all he is doing, be, besides just doing his job, is trying to put names and faces together. And and uh, Saul yeah. is in charge. David he's in charge of a whole people, hundreds of thousands of people. And so he gets this new guy into his court. Well, here's a new slave or a new whatever it is. Yeah. And he, knows that well he's the guy that plays the harp he's my go-to guy for liar music he doesn't know anything yeah. else about david so that's yeah. kind of how those things end up that way in the text yeah i i think that that's that's really helpful i mean you kind of bring up like a couple different possibilities and i, I my my intuition is that it's probably a combination of a few of those different things um you know i, I think uh going back to the verse that you kind of focused our attention on at the beginning um you know, it was, uh, where, where was it here? It was back in verse 13, right? Um, right. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David uh, from that day forward. I mean, that's that's a really interesting statement because that's not even just saying something about what happened right then, right? Because like, it's, it's interesting in the very next breath, it says, and Samuel rose up and went to, to Ramah. So it's like th that previous statement, I mean, kind of talks about the rest of David's life, right? right. You know, like right. and from that day forward, it was it was David, you know, like um, through all of his reign, right? Uh, not Saul. Um, and then it's like, oh yeah, and then next thing. So, so I, I think that what that shows, and then you mentioned another one of these little bits here um, at the end of chapter sixteen and uh, verse twenty-three. And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So. Uh, yeah, we're, I mean, we're going to see David, I mean, continuing to, to be in his court and, and, and playing later. So I, I think that is a little bit of the difficulty, like you were saying, in, in storytelling that 
um, you, you do kind of just in terms of topics and, and themes, talk about things not strictly in chronological order all the time. And you kind of make these little, um, you know, like branches off and, and little side trails, right? And then you kind of get back on on track and then you say, okay, yeah, we're going to keep on going with the with the main story. And that's not like any, any flaw in storytelling. Like any good story is like that. I mean, look at anything in literature. Um, I mean, prominent examples, I think with, of, uh, of big detours, I'm thinking of, I'm just thinking of Beowulf and I'm thinking about, um, well, I, I'm thinking about too, the Odyssey. Like, I mean, just, I mean, you think of big things in, in literature and like, they have little, <laughs> like little, little side trails, like, to, I mean, right. all the time, but that doesn't make them bad stories by, by any means. And so, um, I, I think this is, this is just the, the best way I can kind of put some of this together back in verse 18 of chapter 16, we, we know, um, that at the time he enters his service, right They're they're saying, Hey, look, there's this son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, um, interesting. <laughs> they don't even actually say the name David, right? Um, it's just, there's, there's this, there's this Bethlehemite and he's like, okay, sure. <laughs> Sounds fine. Um, but, but the description, right? Man of war, man of valor. Right. So, I mean, clearly he's not a boy. Right. Um, right. But like, but like you said, doesn't mean that he's necessarily like, a you know, you know, a 20 year, you know, veteran of war. Right. It does, that doesn't right. mean that, you know, like, like he's, he's been on several campaigns or something like it sounds like his older brothers have. Um, so, you know, so then like you're saying, you know, he sends these messengers and, you know, when it says, you know, send me David, your son, who is, who is with the sheep. I mean, it, it's like you said, Saul doesn't even have to know David's name there. Right. I mean, that's just kind of like a summary, a summary of the message. He's just like, yeah, sure. Send me the Bethlehemite. Right. Saul's not going to sit down and write the, like the email himself. He's got like 20 people to do that. <laughs> like just that. Right. So I, I think you're right that. Uh, initially, there doesn't have to be really any presupposition that even though David is in Saul's service, that that Saul really knows who he is, what his name is, like uh, what what he doesn't even look at the guy, right? Like uh, you know, all all the correspondence could have been written by by servants, and then the comment in twenty one that you know Saul loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer. That could just be a little bit of like a parentheses uh, kind of side trail. That just talks right. about, you know, later on he would go on to become his armor bearer, but like that that hasn't happened yet. Right, exactly. Yeah, so, and, um, and as you said, it ahead. could be just an intermediary that the uh yeah. the 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 court uh, official, you know, cuz they 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 deal with stuff like that. Well, what are we going to do with the harpist? You know, he yeah. doesn't fit under under this category or anything. That's a good idea. Oh, uh, what can, we can put him in armor bear. Oh yeah, we'll put him into that slot. So that's how <laughs> yeah. he ends up being the armor bear. What does that mean? I don't know, but yeah. So there's any number of ways of solving that. Yeah, no, that's yeah, and and I think that it's just one of those things where if you were listening to the story back in this context, I think you would have tracked with it easily. But um, just we have, there's such a gap here. It's just it's just kind of hard to track. But uh, we have a comment on the phone um sorry cheryl I, we, with our little glitch there uh kind of took a long time to be able to get to you but good morning thanks for giving a call um you have a you have a comment for us yes i do have a comment thanks for taking my call um i uh was uh rehearing this again and i yeah. heard stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground yeah. and david has just told him the battle is the lord's well in first samuel 5 verse 4 uh, they came in and they saw Dagon had fallen face downward on the ground before the Ark of the Lord. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and his head was cut off and both of his hands. Yeah. <laughs> the battle is the oh, Lord. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Cheryl, that, that's, that's an awesome, that's an awesome comment. Um, and truth be told, I, I, I don't think I had made the, the connection as, as strong as, as you made it just now, but, uh, I, I I think so, right? I mean, and and, and you gotta, I mean, let's uh, let's go ahead and, and skip uh, skip back to to that section in chapter seventeen, right? When that happens, because the description of uh, again again the way the way that Goliath is referred to here, right? Um, so you actually get to the part where he 
the stone sinks down. Let me, let's see here. There it is, the, the stone, right? Um, and it says here, the Philistine, right, um, is, is, is how he's described there. And then it says um, he fell on his face to the ground. And, and so I think that's, that's, that's not an accident because in Hebrew, when you, when you talk about uh, like the Philistine or Edom or something like that, like you, you can use, or, or even Esau, it, it can refer to an individual, but it can refer to a whole collective. And by saying like the Philistine fell on his face to the ground, I mean, like that is, I, I think Cheryl's uh, got a point there. You can see that as emblematic of like the Philistines are being brought into um, subjection and, and uh, acknowledging Yahweh collectively. It's not just um, this one guy. Now that's an excellent excellent parallel because well, we don't get it in our modern day but if you think of the islamic people when they pray yeah. their faith you know they get down to their knees their face touches the ground because that's the ancient yeah. oriental way of showing yeah. uh, subservience so dagon does yeah. that and then well then goliath does it too as his last act so that's a great yeah. parallel yeah so i mean like and, and i think that that's a, that's actually nice though too because this is kind of a a new section in the book of first samuel right in the sense of like it's we're focusing on david now instead of saul but it's a point of continuity right that that you, you see kind of regardless of whether we're kind of focusing on saul or david that that overall what what god is doing in all this stuff is that he is he is demonstrating well i mean it's it's what he it's what david says um you know we'll just we'll just let david um say what god's saying right um because he says there uh you know i come to you in the name of the lord of hosts the god of the armies of israel and then it says there at the end of verse 46 that all the earth may know that there is a god in israel i i mean there it is all this stuff is happening so that the name of God would be known. Yeah, and I like the way that um, Dr. Steinman translates this again. Uh, for example, Goliath says in verse 10, I mock the battle lines of Israel. That's a literal translation from the Hebrew. And then David says, uh, where is it? Where he talks about the God Oh, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that mocks the battle lines of the living God? Yeah. You know, so there, there's, uh, I mean, and this, it, this is something that kind of just hit me in preparing for this, is that yeah. before this, the people of Israel associate God with the Ark of the Covenant. And there was the whole story of the uh, covenant of the Ark being, stolen by the Philistines, and that's where right. God is. But in this story, God is there on the front lines with the infantrymen, and and he's yeah. there, and that's what Goliath is mocking, and he's going to be up against that, you know, shortly with, with the power of God. So I, I think this is a, is a very interesting thing, uh, that this is something that because of the Holy Spirit, David can see that. Nobody else can see it, but that God is there, and I'm not saying that God is there in any any battle, but in this particular one, He's there. Yeah, that that is interesting. That um, I mean, we've seen it earlier in First Samuel that that Saul, it was in the the conflict with the Philistines with Jonathan that he said, "Okay, go go ahead and bring the ark down from Shiloh, right?" And we have that comment that the ark would go with them. So, uh, the presumption is that the ark was with them here. But that's really just kind of makes it all the more striking, to your point, that the Ark's not even mentioned in this chapter, you know? I mean, like, which is really something, um, that the emphasis about God's presence is not uh, God's presence around the Ark, but it's uh, his presence on David there. So, I mean, that's uh, that, that, that is an interesting shift there, that in some ways the, the king is sort of— um, you know, because he, he is already the Lord's anointed, is it, sort of supplanting um, the Ark of the Covenant. And, uh, and I think that, that in terms of kind of the big picture, right, I mean, connects us to the Lord Jesus that, right. you know, ultimately he is the king who, yeah, he, he is actually uh, the king who replaces the Ark of the Covenant. Like he is more the Ark of the Covenant 
than any of the kings or um, any of the tents or I mean any of the the previous uh, physical uh, vessels for God's presence ever were. Yes, because David is the the straight line to Jesus from Abraham, and when David takes the battlefield, then the messianic the that thing is happening right there. <laughs> Goliath doesn't know that, but the no. Messiah is there in inception, and so it's the it's the begin. It, what the theological thing is the transition from the Old Testament, which has to do with the temple and the Ark of the Covenant, to the New Testament, which has to do with Jesus, and it's right there. So that's a, that's a brilliant insight that you make right there. That's yours. See if it's I not can... mine. I just... <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, it's, it's a conversation, right? It's just it's okay. coming out of uh, the. the, the the, the interplay here. I didn't come up with that like beforehand or something. So, uh, yeah, no. So let's, let's see if we can talk about a couple things really quick since we're kind of already on the last, um, maybe like uh, eight minutes or so, but, um, okay. So it's, it's an interesting description of, that we have of Goliath of Gath, right? Um, for some reason, his name is mentioned twice in a, well, we'll maybe we'll maybe get there, but, um, uh, more emphasis is placed upon this guy's size six cubits in a span, right? His, uh, you know, his, his armor, his coat, right? A thousand shekels of bronze. Um, you know, it says his, uh, you know, his spear is like gigantic. It's just like a beam. <laughs> um, his just, just the, the head of the spear weighs 600 shekels of iron all by itself. I mean, he's described as just enormous. Uh, but what's interesting too, is that there's, there's variation and the, the Septuagint, um, and the Dead Sea Scrolls and, Josephus, this is just what the ESV notes for us, um, have a different number. So what, what's what's going on and what, what do the numbers translate to anyway? Well, one of the problems in any uh, translation, you know, from Hebrew to any language, is trying to figure out what these more specific things like numbers and weights mean. Uh, Luther comments about that in some of his books. Um, but the Masoretic text, the 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 numbers it gives would translate to our uh, figures of eight feet, eight inches to nine feet, nine inches, somewhere in that range. Yeah. And the Septuagint yeah. would be from six foot to six, nine inches. Um, yeah. So which one is right? Well, the Masoretic is the original, as far as we know. Uh, I mean, it's the Hebrew text. But some people say that the Septuagint was based on older texts. That's a whole textual right. criticism problem. And you know, yeah. I, I'm not an expert in textual criticism, but that's the that's yeah. the possibility. Yeah. And and I don't want to rule out the possibility the larger, um, the larger numbers because those people that live in St. Louis can cross the Mississippi at uh, Alton, and there's this guy named the Alton Giant, uh, lived 1918 to 1940, and he was eight foot eleven inches and 439 yeah, yeah. pounds when he died. And there's a statue, a life-size statue. It's on College Avenue. So if you're ever over on that side of the river, head over to uh, Alton and go to College Avenue between Seminary and uh, I don't know what the other one is, but it's right there. Uh, you can't miss it because you go by and you say, man, is that, that is life-size. And that's how big Goliath yeah. was, according to the Masoretic text anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so that's uh, I appreciate that that anecdote because it's certainly possible. Um, I mean, it, it is it, it, it's it's hard to believe. It's like one of those like wow, that's a that's a really rare, extremely unusual kind of uh, right. phenomenon, but possible. But so so the question, yeah, um, like you were saying, it does get into text criticism. Uh, if anyone who's really interested, I encourage you to look at Steinman's commentary. He offers, I think, a pretty good explanation about how the number. Uh, six for the cubits there may have gotten shifted from verse seven, where it says that his spear's head weighed 600 shekels. Um, it's just interesting that the, the word six, the phrase 600 looks an awful lot like six cubits in Hebrew. And so uh, based on that, he's thinking, you know what, actually probably the other texts, including the Hebrew text of the Dead Sea Scrolls, um, is probably original, which would put the guy as like six foot something. So it's like, he's like, right. you know, an NBA player, but not necessarily right. like, you know, you know, I mean, just a kind of monstrosity, but, uh, regardless, I mean, it's actually a couple different ways you can take that. Um, I, I think one of the things that's kind of provocative is that if he is, um, 
you know, maybe like say like, you know, six, six, six or something like that. Right. Um, he's probably the same height as Saul, <laughs> uh, which cause, cause Saul's also described as being a really tall guy, but he, Saul does not go out to fight him. Now what's interesting is he does put his armor on David, but David doesn't wear it. See, no, I, I think that that is really suggestive of something thematic. What do you think? Well, yes. And well, what I pick up from this is that you go back to when Saul was first made king. And um, let's see, it's chapter 8, verse 20 of 1 Samuel. And one of the reasons the people give they want a king is they say, our king will go out in front of us and fight our battles. Yep. Yep. And that's why they wanted a king. And here Saul is letting him down because that's his job, according to the the agreement, the covenant between the king yeah. and the people. So, yeah, I mean, it, so, so Saul is giving up. He, yeah, he's got the nice, comfortable uh, status, and the job, but he's not doing his job. Uh, you know, that's a temptation yeah. for a lot of people. People get positions. I mean, this is why we have a democracy, is that we have people that get into positions of power and influence, and they don't do their job, or they don't do it very well. And we elect somebody else. And here God uh, gave Saul a chance, and uh, now he's failing in a miserable way. I mean, he had failed in some other ways, yeah. but this is just, he is supposed to be out there leading his troops, and he's just in the back. And David's yeah, willing to I, take I think, it on. I think, Go ahead. Yeah, I think it definitely points to, like you were saying, just the, the eclipse of Saul, right? Like Saul is not fundamentally able to do the job of being the king anymore. Um, and that role is getting passed on to David, but ultimately it's not getting passed on to David from Saul as David takes the armor off. Um, it's get, it's coming to David from God himself. One of, one of our uh, listeners had a comment that, you know, he's David's got the armor of God on him, so he doesn't need Saul's armor. Yeah, I, I yeah, think that's kind of true uh, in, 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 in a sense. You know, I mean, it's I mean, David is he, he was handpicked by by God. Saul's going to say, no, I want Jonathan. Uh, well, it's not going to happen that way. Uh, you know, so la last little uh, observation here. So David, then he takes his staff and stones, right? And, and of course, this gets mocked by Goliath. Um, it would have been normal for any man, especially one who had traveled from, uh, you know, Bethlehem or something, right? Uh, to have a walking uh, staff, which could kind of double as a, a cudgel or something. Uh, so definitely not a little boy, <laughs> not a little shepherd boy, uh, but on the other hand, not like this big brute, but rather just someone who has the armor and the eyes and the spirit of God here. So thank you so much, brother. Uh, wow, just way too many things that we could talk about, but I appreciate the perspective you brought. Thank you. God bless you. God bless everybody. Pastor Martin Nolan at Grace San Mateo, California. Going on to chapter 18. Till then, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.